Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the story of salvation, for the history of redemption as it is unveiled from the Old Testament to the New, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, from Genesis to Revelation. We are thankful, Lord, that we have in your Bible a complete and comprehensive and authoritative, infallible word, the self-revelation of God, even as the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So does the scriptures. And so does Jesus Christ, the living word, show forth your glory. And so we ask that he, in particular, through the scriptures, may be set forth, that he might have the preeminence and not us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving in the New Testament. Has there ever been a Thanksgiving that you forgot about? Maybe in another country where they don't celebrate it, but certainly not here in America. But have you ever forgotten to give God thanks on Thanksgiving, especially for some special blessing in life? That's what our story is about. It's about remembering to give thanks. Why should we remember to give thanks? Why should we not forget to give thanks? First, God does not forget us, especially in times of need, does he? According to our passage, if we turn to it in Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, it reads in verses 11 and 12, and it came to pass, as he went, as our Lord Jesus, to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And if you know anything about leprosy, that is a contagious and deadly disease. It may take a while before it does its deadly work. It may take years even, but eventually eat you alive. And there's definitely a need for social distancing if you are a leper. In fact, the law of the land required in this instance. What a horrible disease to take over your flesh. We should, we should be grateful that we are not in a place where leprosy is prevalent. We can be thankful that it's not worldwide. It's in certain places like I know in Molokai and Hawaii and Palawan Island in the Philippines and there are others I, I'm sure. But a sad sight for the Savior to behold. Ten men were lepers. No hope. No help. Because who else could they turn to? Who else would it even have anything to do with them? They were literally quarantined away from everyone. That include doctors. Left to die. Like people I know who don't have medical attention or who don't have access to that in other lands. I know, of course, one particularly, and that's the Philippines. 
They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Imagine how the Lord heard their cry and answered it immediately, or almost immediately. It says that as they went to the high priest where they were instructed to go to verify, to authenticate their healing because that was required for them to re-enter into society, they were healed. When he was on earth, we know that Jesus went everywhere doing good. In Matthew 4, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, where he was headed at this time, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame was throughout all of Syria, beyond the borders of Israel. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse, different diseases and torments, which have to do with the soul and the mind and heart. And of those that were possessed with devils, imagine that. And those which were lunatics, they were out of their minds. And those that had palsy, those who were paraplegic and quadriplegic, and healed them. Imagine that. What power Jesus has. Now, does the Lord heal everyone in the world? We know that he doesn't. But that's why we must approach the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, like these lepers did. They did that, did they not? They came to the throne of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But does the Lord have to heal everyone? That's a very important question. And that question is not always answered correctly or biblically. No, he doesn't have to heal anyone. In fact, we know that if it were not for his mercy, none of us would be well. All of us would be sick. All of us would be perishing and eventually leaving this present life. Perhaps already. Uh, if you would turn to Mark 1, 40 and following, it speaks to this issue. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. And there came a leper to him to seek Jacob and kneeling down to him, very similar to the ten lepers, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And it says in verse 42, And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. course, he went from there rejoicing. Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't who is healed of some terrible and, and deadly and life-threatening disease? Some have actually been healed from cancer that we know. One I recall, a pastor who I invited to join us in the Philippines many, many years ago, said, if I'm well enough, if 
I, if my cancer, God wills that I go into remission, I will be there. And sure enough, he ended up going there not just once, but twice. And he's well to this day. Praise God. If thou wilt, is the prayer of the man. Such faith and hope and humility in the sovereign Savior. That's how we are to come to Christ. That's how we are to come to Christ. Leprosy is a picture in the flesh of what sin is in the soul. Sin started with our first parents. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Death with all its ugly causes, sickness, of course, and calamities. People are wiped out by tsunamis that cover a whole country. Violence, wars, Satan, the prince of darkness. And the consequences of the same, spiritual death, which is the worst, which is the worst, to be alienated from God, from the life of God, from the ignorance that is in us, to the deceitfulness of our hearts. Physical death, which is the one we all know about, which we're all kind of focused on these days, but that's not all. Finally, there's eternal death. And that's the part that we need to have on our radar. We need to endeavor to have on the radar of others that we care about in this life. If these ten lepers were a sad sight for the Lord to behold, but an even sadder sight for God to behold a world full of billions of souls with the plague of plagues, which is sin, if leprosy is no respecter of persons because it afflicted Jew, Jews and Samaritans both, how much more sin which is no respecter of persons at all? If thou, Lord, just mark iniquity, who shall stand? Who shall stand? No one will stand in the day of judgment. No one. There will be no one acquitted. There will be no one justified. Psalmist goes on to say in, in Psalm 130, but there is forgiveness for thee. In that day there shall be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And what fountain was that? But the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners are plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. That's the fountain of Calvary. That is the fountain of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose blood continues to pour forth effectual or efficacious grace and forgiveness in the lives of God's people. So full of mercy and grace our Lord is. So full of mercy and grace. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. And they do. But also, why should we not forget to give thanks? Because giving thanks is the natural expression 
but thankful hearts. It goes on in our text in Luke 17, if you turn back to it. Luke 17, follow with me. Verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Imagine that as they were walking along, they discovered, I'm out. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm no longer, my flesh is no longer falling off my bones, as it were. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at the feet of the Lord Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Amazing. Amazing. He was the one that you didn't expect it from at all. And the ones that you did, who were the Jews, the, the other nine, you did, and yet, not all. Who can imagine the joy that they felt when they realized they were healed? And like a new birth. The flesh is made just like the flesh of a baby. You know, the baby, the baby is so lovable, but for one thing, because it's so fresh, you know? It's like, <laughs> you wash them off when they first come out, of course, but with a wonderful thing. Like Naaman, Naaman, who was a captain of the host of the king of Syria, I mentioned Syria earlier, right? Uh, when he was healed, it says that when he was healed, and I'll tell more about this in next week's account of Thanksgiving in the Old Testament, unforgettable Thanksgiving in the Old Testament. Uh, when he got healed, it says that it was like the flesh of a little child, and he was Psalm 40, David there notes in verses 1 through 3, in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I love this, this passage, it's, it's so declarative of the heart of every one who is saved from his sins, and who is saved from and delivered from sin and Satan, and from sickness. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my bones. Is that a good thing? You know, when <laughs> you have a problem uh, in walking the train because it's uneven, or if you have a problem because you have an eyesight uh, handicap, let me tell you, that is major. <laughs> and established my bones. And it put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, that means the believer, and shall trust in the Lord. If you have been saved, you know what I'm talking about. I, Paul would say, you have joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement is like healing. The atonement is like some radical, miraculous antidote that when you take it, you're well. 
And it's like, whoa, why didn't I have this before? <laughs> like mushrooms, you know, mushrooms help to heal my, my lungs. I mean, I'm amazed at mushrooms. I'm still taking it to this day. It's very potent, by the way. And so, and so, giving thanks is a natural expression of thankful heart. That's why we have thanksgiving, by the way. Not just feeling thankful, not just knowing that God is good to you, but expressing that the redeemed of the Lord say so. And lastly, why should we not forget to give thanks? Because unthankfulness is a sin against the goodness of God. Yes. In our passage, it bears it out as well. In Luke 17, beginning at verse 17. Luke 17, 17. And Jesus answering said, Where were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are the nine that I healed? There's only one that came back, right, sir? Where are they? Did they give glory to God? No. Did they thank Jesus Christ for their healing? Like the Samaritan who glorified God with a loud voice who fell down at Jesus' feet and thanked him? No. But like Naaman that I introduced earlier, who said, Behold, now I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. No. Not a word of acknowledgement. How sad. How sad when we see others who are blessed with such abundance in this life, with health, with a sound mind, with material blessings, and they don't have anything to say to God. Period. It's like zilch. What the scriptures teach. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were families. That would be a sin also, along with all the sins that are listed in the book of Revelation, for which men will give answer in the day of judgment. In fact, not only is there not a word of acknowledgement, they are nowhere to be seen. They're on their way back to their families, to their villages, and, and, and that's fine. What about God? What about Jesus Christ? Our Lord said, there's not found any that return the glory to God except this stranger. A stranger. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And yet, this one is the one who remembered Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Destruction, that was what his course was when the Lord came into his life and impeded that course and diverted it 180 degrees. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness, and that is God's covenant testament. Steadfast and eternal love and tender mercies galore. John would say, Beloved, 
I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. This man, this Samaritan that was healed, was a believer. He became a believer. And if he wasn't one before he met Christ, he certainly was one after. Because he evidenced it by a thankful heart. You know, God doesn't promise to heal our bodies. I, might, I, I, I need to make that, that, that note. He does not guarantee that for all of us in this life, especially in this fallen world. But I'll tell you one thing. If you seek him with all your heart, he promises to give you salvation. He promises to save your soul. That you can guarantee. You can guarantee that prayer. If you pray that prayer. And that's what I tell people. I tell them after they hear the simple gospel. You want to be saved? Go to Jesus. Call upon him. Ask him to be your savior. It's as simple as that. But do it with sincerity, humility, with conviction of sin and conviction that only Jesus can save you and him alone. And you will be saved. He promises sinners a perfect righteousness, even his own. And a, and a complete forgiveness, which is because of his work. Now, not tomorrow, now when we need it. Because today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow. And he promises complete healing and perfect health one day. Imagine that. You're going to have glorified bodies like I, I know I will have. And uh, though you may have all these things going on in your life, <laughs> you have something to look forward to, don't you? Paul said, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. But not only they, meaning the world out there, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. And we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So he may grant physical healing, then again he may not. But if we have our eyes on the most important, we can be assured that we will have that. And have that and be good to go when that day comes. He will give you grace even in the meantime to help when you are suffering. When you are arduously overwhelmed uh, in your soul, he, he will provide that assuaging grace to bear up underneath that opprobrium. Because he is a faithful God. He says he will not permit you to be tempted above that you were able, but will with that temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And why? Because he is we may not always be faithful, exactly. We are often not. And yet when we are unfaithful, he still is faithful. Because he promised. His covenant is written in blood. Even the blood of the Son. There's no way he's going to break that contract. You may break it. And break it, you do, and I do. And God forbid that we, you know, that we sin. So shall we sin that grace may abound? If we have that thinking in our minds. That somehow we know, oh yeah, I can go to the Lord, he'll forgive me. Uh-uh. Don't be presumptuous. 
Pray like David says, to be saved from presumptuous sin. Because that's what that is. But nevertheless, God is faithful. I can assure you of that. Praise, praise the Lord. He may not grant physical healing. Then again, he may. Especially when you, when you commit to God in prayer. But if he doesn't, he will give you that grace to help in time of need that we talked about earlier. And something to look forward to in Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Philippians 3. Philippians 21. Read. Reads. For our conversation or our way of life is in heaven. That's where our life is. That's where our life will be for the lion's share of our existence. <laughs> like 99.999% of it. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able, even to subdue all things to himself. Our God is able, and our God is willing. He has promised. He has promised. A final scripture I would have you turn to is Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's speaking about the Lord Jesus and his being made flesh and dwelt among us. Which tabernacle is now in glory? Our flesh is in heaven, on the right hand of the Father. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. You see how emphatic and how firm and unequivocal and unchangeable the word of God is, the promise of God is. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Ooh, ooh that's something to look forward to. <laughs> no more pain. Especially that. that thing. For the former things are passed away. So there you have it. Right at the very end of the good book. No sorrow, no crying. Why? But there's, because there's nothing to cry about anymore. Nothing to sorrow about, be sorrowful about. No more sickness, no more disease, no more Satan, no more suffering, no more pain. Why is that? Because there's no more sin. That dirty three-letter word. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal, mortal must put on immortality. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so, in conclusion, are you in a time of need? Who isn't, right? <laughs> That's like a, one of those rhetorical questions that answers itself. Remember this, 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. That's a, what they call a double negative, okay? We have not, we don't have a priest who can't be touched, meaning he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He feels it. He felt it. He doesn't feel it now, but he felt it. And he felt it for us when he came to this earth. And was in all points tempted like as we are, put to the test, to the max. Even from the get-go of his ministry, when he was brought into the wilderness and was tempted by the evil one himself with a direct assault. And yet without sin. Let us therefore on that basis come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you find help, and you will, and you have, and you will in the future, remember, thank you. And especially when you come to the Thanksgiving day and the Thanksgiving dinner and you're around that feast, as I know we will all have something to eat, I assure you. And if you, if you don't, let me know, and you can come to our house, okay? <laughs> uh, remember the words of Scripture, and everything you give thanks, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Especially for his great salvation. Especially for his great salvation. And make your Thanksgiving day to be truly an unforgettable one. How? By being like the Samaritan. Don't forget to give thanks. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, how thankful we are to be able to hear your word and to be given ears to hear and a heart to believe all that the Spirit of God has revealed to us in your holy word and to ask you, Lord, to, to bring it on, to give us more, to feed us and to lead us and to guide us in your way. Oh, Lord, accomplish this in a greater way and may this have encouraged us to that end, to be a thankful people. Come be thankful.